Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to this fireside chat between uh, ABB and Ryder. My name is Bob Stojanovich. I am the director for EV Infrastructure in North America. And with me is Chris Nard with Ryder. Chris, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah. Hey, Bob. Good to see you again. My name is Chris Nord. I'm the Senior Director of Advanced Vehicle Technologies and Energy Products at Ryder. Thanks. So, Chris, it's been a while since we talked. Um, it's been kind of a crazy year. So, I haven't really been in touch with you and gotten up on the latest the Ryder's doing in the EV infrastructure space. Can you kind of give me a quick update on what Ryder's doing? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we've built a uh, kind of a foundation for our customers moving into EVs. And uh, we've done it in partnership with you, with ABB and a company called InCharge. And so uh, InCharge is the installation partner and uh, yourself being the infrastructure provider. And uh, I, I usually claim that you're the largest producer of electrical equipment on the planet. And uh, through some recent acquisitions and uh, naturally uh, developing some of these products, uh, have a full lineup, and I wanted to get a little bit more, um, you know, thoughts from you on this vertical integration and what it means for uh, this partnership. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So thanks for bringing that up. Uh, as you know, and maybe a lot of people out there don't know, the ABB is a manufacturer of electrical equipment, everything that you would see typically in an installation for uh, EV charging infrastructure from the actual charger itself, which connects to the truck, all the way back to the grid interconnection. So. That could be switchgear, panel boards, uh, conduit, you know, mechanical lugs, things like that. So uh, most recently, I think in that last, let's say two years ago, ABB completed an acquisition of GE Industrial uh, Systems. So that's also part of our portfolio. So it really completed um, our product line for North America in the UL standards. So with that, we have uh, tremendous access to everything that goes between the vehicle and the grid. Um, now. What we don't do very well, and the reason for the investment in in-charge um, energy is that uh, they do quite a bit of value added between uh, doing a site survey, doing an energy audit, and actually understanding which which equipment needs to be installed uh, in order to make the system work. Uh, sometimes there's an upgrade needed for the site. So they'll look at um, a customer's uh, needs basically understand how long the vehicle needs to sit there, what size charger, and what's, what type of equipment is needed to support um, the primary goal of that customer, right? So it's not always uh, just simply charge the vehicle, how fast do you need to charge, how many vehicles, and therefore, you know, what type of infrastructure do you need on site? Right, and uh, they, they provide this turnkey service, which is exactly what our customers are expecting, you know, where... They do permitting, uh, construction, installation, everything, um, you know, soup to nuts. Uh, and what I like about this partnership so much is because, you know, with, uh, you know, more than 50,000 customers across North America, we know we're going to have a tremendous amount of these installations all across North America. And having standardization through uh, this partnership with ABB uh, is really important, especially when you start talking about uptime, because being able to diagnose and deal with, um, you know, these systems uh, anywhere in North America, knowing exactly that it's all the same parts and componentry actually help us a lot 
uh, in number one, creating the uptime, and then number two, dealing with those few times that uh, you know some component may actually be down. We like it as well for a couple different reasons. Um, for us, the hardware is easy. Uh, the hard part for us is really understanding exactly what the customer needs and how to make it work. Uh, and that's really where they fit in. They try and make it easy for the customer because it's a new industry. It's uh, They're a group of experienced professionals in the industry. In a new industry, that's hard to find. Um, so for someone to be able to put all those things together uh, really makes it quite interesting for us. Yeah, and that kind of brings us to the next challenge, which is a big challenge. And that's actually available commercial vehicles in the marketplace. There's not that many... Uh, producers of electric vehicles right now. So it seems like, um, you know, the charging infrastructure is certainly ahead of uh, commercial electric vehicles that are able to utilize this. Uh, do you agree with that or do you see some exceptions in certain areas? I mean, I would say yes. I mean, the entire industry for DC fast charging specifically is is 10 years old. Um, so it's been around for a while. Um, cars have been around for some time. Uh, but the next evolution really is into fleets, right? And uh, the various services that revolve around fleets. Uh, so it can be light duty, medium duty, or heavy duty. And we're starting to see all of it, but you're right. There's not a lot of vehicles on the road at this point. And, and one of the things that uh, through the, the demos that we've had, uh, especially with Freightliner, you know, you realize the importance of the communication between the vehicle and the charger uh, in order to make sure that everything is synced up. Um, are, are you working with all the different OEMs at this point in order to line that up? It's a lot of OEMs, so I, I, it'd be hard to say we're doing it with all of them. Uh, we're doing it with them as we come across them. So obviously the largest ones, uh, because they draw the most demand. And then uh, as our customers define what the needs are, we'll be talking to the OEMs. So typically the way it'll work is a customer will say, hey, I have a, a, a project and this is what it looks like. It's going to be 26 vehicles, and they're going to be a mix of, you know, and I can name various brands, and they say it's XYZ brand, um, and we expect to have it online by January of 2021. So they'll order the infrastructure, and they probably ordered the vehicles already because they know what they're getting, and they'll define to us what what basically infrastructure they want, or somebody like in charge will tell us what they want. Uh, but it'll be on us and the OEM to get together sometime between the actual um, commissioning date to make sure that the charger works very well with the vehicle so that there's no issues on site when it's time to deploy. Right. And, and actually, I'm, I've been very pleased with um, how well it has been working in all the trials that we've been uh, doing so far. And, you know, you made a good point about there being so many OEMs, which is sort of like a new phenomenon, right? I mean, it's so interesting to see so many new entrants uh, right now, specifically because of the electric drivetrain uh, and seeing an opportunity to enter the marketplace with some innovative products, you know, thinking from the ground up right from the start, um, you know, Workhorse, uh, Exos, and, and many others are examples uh, of companies that have done that. Do you see uh, any difference in uh, working together with some of those newer manufacturers than perhaps the traditional ones? Yeah, there's, there's huge differences. I mean, the newer ones, typically, they're, uh, they're much leaner. Um, the larger manufacturers have been in it for some time. Um, they've, they've followed the standards. For some people, it's completely new if they're a startup. Um, so, 
the industry is pretty fluid though. People move around from company to company, so they stay within the industry. So I think the knowledge gets transferred, but yeah, a lot of the startups, it's a challenge. I, I guess my, my question back to you is because you're the outlet for a lot of these vehicles. Um, where is most of the interest right now? Is it light duty, medium duty, heavy duty? And then is it, you know, what's the application that they're looking for? Well, I would say that the interest is actually across the board. And once you start digging in uh, a little bit further and you start comparing, you know, TCO analysis and what vehicles are either already available or becoming available and how quickly, you kind of realize uh, pretty quickly that the the last mile delivery industry is one of the first within the commercial vehicle space. There's obviously buses and, and uh, a few other products that have already been introduced, uh, but in the commercial vehicle space, that'll be the first one to really start taking a, a big hold of the marketplace. And it'll really start moving up from there. You do have wild cards out there like Tesla. So, um, you know, some start at the very top and then perhaps go, go downward. Uh, but most of the uh, focus right now is on last mile, where it just makes so much sense to put a, uh, an electric vehicle with that stop-and-go type application, high idle time, uh, inner-city traffic uh, kind of environments. It just makes way more sense uh, to operate an electric vehicle because it's uh, partly where the electric vehicle does really well because of brake regeneration, but also specifically where diesel vehicles or internal combustion products do so poorly because, uh, especially on the diesel side, you have after-treatment systems that don't naturally generate enough heat to regen uh, in those applications. So you're having a elevated running cost curve uh, in those applications. So um, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of last mile delivery companies adopting EVs and are looking at a number of ways to support that transition, both through um, new financial models, as well as with, with this infrastructure partnership together with you. There's a lot of studies and discussions out there on uh, on uh, cost of ownership. And in fact, I think Consumer Reports last week put something out on, I don't know if you saw it, there was a, a Dodge, uh, there was a sheriff that was comparing the cost of running a Dodge Charger versus a Tesla Model 3. And I think the savings just in the O&M over the first year was around $6,000. So it really covers the gap on the spread of the price uh, pretty quickly. Um, so the ROI was there. And I expect you'll see an even better curve probably for the last mile type of thing. Um, which brings me to my kind of my, my next point, which is you're probably aware, maybe not so much, but we're working with your team to see if we can pilot um, a truck at one of our facilities at, uh, in North Carolina where we're talking about uh, uh, using a yard dog um, because there's some incentives there specifically. So Typically, you know, right now we rent, so it's kind of a perfect way to do it, although it does, in, you know, introduce some difficulties because of the incentives. I think they want to scrap the existing vehicle um, in order to qualify, but looks like we can probably get there. Yeah, there's a lot of programs that, that have that um, destruction requirement uh, built into it, uh, which, which always presents a little bit of a challenge, but, you know, it, it's, it's placed in the right uh, philosophy uh, of wanting to obviously clean up the environment. So, you know, take a dirty diesel vehicle out of the equation and put in a clean uh, EV. It certainly makes sense. And, yeah, a uh, perfect example of another application which makes so much sense for internal combustion um, to uh, to not be there anymore. 
Um, and, you know, recently we've actually changed our, our running cost models for the new technology on the diesel side. It's actually getting more and more expensive and more and more difficult to maintain um, those vehicles in those applications. So great example of where an EV just fits perfectly in there. Have you seen the recent announcements for the state of California is doing for EV implementation? I, I think. I mean, uh, there's so many, right? <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk. Well, there's there's two, right? So one specifically is that there's no more EVs beyond. Uh, well, there's no more internal combustion engine vehicles sold after 2035 in the state of California, at least as far as new. And then there's some uh, some truck-based goals, I think, below before that. You know, now only also has the MOU states, so so 15 other uh, states that have signed up to uh, implement the same. Uh, kinds of laws that California just recently passed. So it actually is in law. And so starting in 2024, OEMs are going to have to sell a certain percentage uh, of their vehicles as zero emission vehicles, which, uh, you know, probably a large portion of those will be electric, but you can have uh, certain other options as well that will qualify um, hydrogen certainly being one of those but probably a little bit further out on the on the technological development side. Um, but with, you know, talking about recent announcement with Toyota just coming out saying they're working together with Hino on, uh, on a hydrogen product, and then Hyundai announcing that they're bringing it, a vehicle to the U.S. Uh, as a fuel cell vehicle as well. So there's, there's certainly more options that are going to become available probably starting around 2023 with production volumes. Um, and so, yeah, by 2024, there's going to be a lot of new EVs in the marketplace in order for the OEMs to satisfy those goals. How, how do you see those dates? I mean, is the infrastructure investment you need to make by those dates, is that attainable for you? I mean, never mind the vehicles, just assume the vehicles will be available. Well, yeah, it, it is attainable um, given that you have a, a shift in philosophy. All right, so on the diesel side today, uh, most of our customers do not build fuel islands on their own properties. They rely on either a retail network or some sort of a um, contractual card-based program with either ourselves, Ryder, uh, who have fuel stations all across the country, or truck stops like Pilot Flying J or Loves or so many others. Um, but now, basically, everybody has to get into the fuel business because there's just not enough electricity in a single location to replace the amount of diesel fuel that's being pumped out of that facility. So you're gonna to have to go to this distributed model. And so um, with that kind of um, widespread load being put onto the grid, a lot of people are challenging that and saying, well, there's just not enough uh, you know, power. But actually, when you look at the, um, the evening or in the night times, there's a lot of spare capacity that's currently not being used and so as long as you have operations that can utilize charging during those times, uh, the grid will be able to uh, supply that power. Coming from a distributed generation background, I know California's got an interesting uh, problem with its power generation because there's so much solar. There's actually ample opportunity to charge in the middle of the day. So the famous duck curve um, where they incentivize people to use power midday um, and try and conserve between 4 and 9 p.m. Um, and then, you know, the super off peak is midnight to 6 a.m. So that's that's uh, going to make it very interesting for charging vehicles and maybe scheduling. I, I don't know how it's going to impact various industries, but 
most people are on the road during the peak of the duck curve. So they're not really sitting there charging. Right. And it, you start getting into the idea of, of having uh, on-site uh, battery storage in order to take advantage of uh, absorbing energy during those uh, cheaper times and then charging uh, during your, uh, your peak uh, kind of times. But I know we're running out of time, and I wanted to just shift gears uh, here for uh, a moment and ask you about Formula E, which is just really starting to take off, and it's all across the world, and you guys are, uh, well, I'm, I'll, I'll let you kind of explain your role within that organization but then my specific question around it is, do you see a lot of technology coming out of, um, you know, that Formula E product? And are, are you, you know, how long does it take from those kinds of um, almost demo or prototype type products to get it to actual market? Yeah, so it's a good question. So for those of you who don't know, Formula E is uh, is essentially like a Formula One event, except they're all electric vehicles. So they're they're basically Formula One style cars, and they go to various city circuits. And ABB is the is the title sponsor for that for um, at least the next five years. Um, so it's an investment on ABB uh, because it makes sense, right? It's it's everything we do. It's electrification of transportation, so uh, it's clean, it's sustainable. Um, but like you like you're saying, I mean, there's there's leading edge technologies there that. Uh, that you and I won't see for some period of time. But what it does is it creates a special use case where people really need a significant amount of power in a short period of time for a high-performance vehicle. So the question is really, how does that translate to uh, to you and I and everyone else? And, and I think for the most part, most of us won't really experience that right away. Uh, it, you'll see it in more similar applications where what we're actually we're talking about earlier, which is somebody needs to deliver a load of freight and it has a tremendous battery and they, you know, time is money. So how much power can you get into it? So we're working uh, with the, the series to come up with uh, new charging technologies to feed those, uh, those high speed vehicles. Um, and a battery is a battery. It's a, it's a big battery. It takes a lot of power and it takes it rather quickly. So that's, that's where Everybody wants something that's cheaper, smaller, faster in this world, and, and that's kind of where that's going. And I think that you said it there, like everybody wants it cheaper, faster, better, uh, and, and that's, a, that's a big task. But I know that you're up for it. I'm really excited about our partnership. So thank you very much, Bob, and thanks for having me on today, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Great. Hey, thanks for having us on this event. Have a, have a good night.